1: Welcome back to Decoding Dragons, where we break down all things House the Dragon. We're your hosts, Liza and Michelle, spilling the Royal Tea, and Ayana has come back to join us for our finale party this week. Today, we also have an extra special guest. Elizabeth Sagan is joining us to break down the fire for this episode. Elizabeth is extremely well-known in the Bookstagram community and is a fellow A Song of Ice and Fire fan and Fire and Blood reader as well. Elizabeth, we are so, so happy to have you join
2: us today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about the last episode and about the whole season. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've thought of House of the Dragon so far this season? I love the show. Um, you know, many, many people ask, um, ask this question of whether a Game of Thrones is better than House of the Dragon or the other way around. And I think uh, both of them stand on their own and both of them are great in their own way. And I think House of the Dragon is, is its own thing with uh, its own history and its own characters that you learn to love in a different way uh, than you love the Game of Thrones characters.
1: Right, I think it definitely does stand on its own feet. and it. While it is so, so similar to Game of Thrones, it also has a very different feel. So um, we are so, so excited to dive into what this finale was like. So um, we are going to be talking about what happened in House of Dragons Season 1, Episode 10, The Black Queen. And uh, we are breaking down the lore for each episode. So there are going to be some spoilers in the later, you know, the later half of the episode. But we do try to save our book spoilers for the Fire and Dragon Dream sections, just so everybody who's watching it is aware. What did everybody think about the finale episode? So
3: I'm gonna keep my tea. <laughs> so- Yo, okay. So everybody knows I kind of hated on season or episode seven. Um, episode eight was okay. This episode brought me right back in man this was such a good episode not only did it end like shockingly obviously it's Game of Thrones but everything about it was Game of Thrones there was some Danny callbacks there was some Jon Snow callbacks there was music callbacks like everything about the the ep- the season, uh, the episode good lord everything about the episode was just everything I love about Game of Thrones I loved this episode
2: yeah I, I agree with you Michelle I loved it I think it ended in the perfect way um there are a lot of little little things uh, throughout the episode that i loved amon's eye was one of them uh, the fight between the dragons loved it
4: i couldn't agree with all of you more and i know i just sound like i'm rubber stamping everything that everybody said but truly it was a finale i am gonna slightly disagree on one thing i okay i'm a tv show only watcher right so I'm comparing this to Game of Thrones season one, all right? When I tell you, and this is a spoiler, this is a spoiler, this is a spoiler. Okay, cool. So this one, no one, no one can come for me in the comments. When Ned Stark's head flew off, I genuinely was un-okay. All right? I know that's not a word. I don't care. I was not okay. When baby Luke got, I was like, now I'm angry. See, I was ready for the death, but I wasn't ready for the cutest, the cuddliest, the most adorable death to happen so quickly and so fast. It it, it threw me for a loop. But So I will say that I was still more shocked from the very, very first um show, season one finale. <sighs> Mouthful. But this one still is going to be a banger. I think all I'm most excited for is in season two, because that's where the nitty gritty is going to happen. But it was still absolutely fantastic. I was throwing my, every piece of article of clothing I could find. I threw socks. I threw mail. I threw food. I was mad. I did not want this to happen. So I, I definitely am here for the spoilers because I do only watch a show. I'm not going to read the books um, just because, you know, why do, why should I, when I've got decoding dragons, right? Duh, shameless plug. <laughs> um but yeah so so i i kind of had an idea as to what was going to happen but again seeing it on screen still hurt like hell i was like no
1: baby luke no i know i know (laughs) and um Elizabeth brought up Eamon's sapphire eye, and so I was definitely here for the sapphire eye reveal. It looks so much cooler in real life than I pictured it looking in the books. And um, some of Boros Baratheon's lines were, like, right out of the book, too, like the one where he's talking about he's not, um, he can't just be called up whenever Rhaenyra needs him. That was, like, almost word for word from Fire and Blood. So, overall, I thought this was a fantastic finale. It broke my heart, and I am not ready to have to wait like a year and a half or two years to get the next season, I am deeply missing the one-year gap between original Game of Thrones because I think I've heard circulating the internet it's going to be a little bit longer of a gap this time because of maybe filming schedules. So my heart is broken; it's going to take a long time to heal. But we have
3: a long time to wait until uh, season two. Uh, can we get into that sapphire eye real quick? So I don't really obviously I didn't read Fire and Blood. Um, why
4: did they make it look like a night uh, like the Night King eye or something? I you know, I don't know. <laughs> It's uh, it's foreshadowing. Eamon comes back as the actual true night king. I'm kidding. I have no
2: My question is we all agree that that sapphire eye looks cool as super cool, all right? It looks so good. My question is why does Amon hide it? Cuz if I had that sapphire eye, I would definitely not hide it. If I had a sapphire eye,
1: I would be walking around with that Everywhere. I'd be like, look at how badass I look. Everyone be
3: jealous, right? I would not hide it. Like It was, it's very glittery. Okay, here, audience prompt and prompt for all of you. Do you think he looks more badass with the eye patch or with the blank sapphire eye?
2: Eye patch, come on. Blank sapphire eye for me.
4: Okay, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, exactly. Elizabeth, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to agree with you, but also push for the eye patch because if somebody's walking up to me with an attitude like that and your eyeball is glistening, I'm going to tell you to go somewhere and sell it. You better come to me with the eye patch because then I'll actually be intimidated. because everybody knows for all of the little, you know, for my little, I'm going to make a little amend. We love to hate them group because we love to hate them, but we know that you're basically a discount Damon, no shade to the greens but let's just be honest okay they needed a sassy attitude guy um and i'm to- demon. exactly yeah like i'm gonna need him to keep the eye patch on it's gorgeous but i'm not going to take you seriously i'm going to be like shine bright like a diamond <laughs> as a person
1: who really likes um pirates in fiction like I am I'm here for the eye patch just because like I'm 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 here for the pirate vibe a little bit. So I'm gonna have to go for the eye patch, but the sapphire eye is killer and it's also definitely like book canon and we were all waiting for it. So it was a badass reveal. He's like, Yeah, I'm
3: here now, bitches. <laughs>
1: but it's just I'm not here for the fact that you held on to this for this many years and you haven't tried to squash this some other way, you know? But we are going to talk about Aemon versus series in our blood section. So let's go ahead and jump into that because I have a couple questions for you guys. Okay, so Ayanna and Michelle, what did you think about Rhaenyra's coronation on
4: Dragonstone? Michelle, you go first. Ma'am, <laughs> what an
3: anticlimactic coronation. What is happening? I'm so disappointed. A, okay, I can't say I'm disappointed. It was a lovely scene because it was <laughs> because it was the most down Rhaenyra could be, brought back up by giving uh getting her father's crown. But if we compare coronations, the. Fuck? So Aegon gets this massive celebration in the dragon pit, and then Rhaenyra gets crowned as she's mourning the loss of her child. I I was not here for that.
2: I I liked Rhaenyra's coronation more, uh, because it was more emotional and closer to the the readers, sort of. Uh, To those who were watching, more like you felt that those people in front of her were like a family. Whereas uh, with Aegon, those in front of Aegon were his subjects. Um, And it was a fake, that that coronation, Aegon's coronation was a fake, but uh, Rhaenyra's was like a family. Like people choosing to follow her because they wanted to, not because they were told to follow her. Like it was in Aegon's case. So of course it wasn't that um, um, so impressive, but, I felt it was closer to like more more heartfelt.
4: I I, I actually yeah like I, I I feel I feel Michelle. I understand Elizabeth. I'm gonna do my best to maybe try to bridge it together. Right. So when you watched Aegon's coronation, you knew even from his own mouth he didn't want it. He wasn't, I don't want it. He wasn't ready. He, he, he did not deserve it. And everything about it felt artificial, right? Rhaenyra, her coronation was technically right by legitimacy from her father, what was supposed to happen, but everything surrounding it made it horrible. Right. Um, and we should, they really should have retitled this episode and called it the callback episode because, so many things were happening, right? Like we're getting the flashes of Rhaenyra's dragon along with her, you know, unfortunately graphic content warning, just FYI, you know, like her losing her baby during childbirth while she also just lost her father. Like there's so much loss on the black team and there's so many things that the green team, right, out of their greed, out of their their desire to keep the realm together, they're the ones kind of feeding this, machine of hatred and lies and wanting to uphold duty under any cost but for side kind of like Elizabeth was saying it was more heartfelt there was a faithfulness there was a look we understand what happened and yes nobody on team black is denying the steps that Renée took that led her there but what we're saying is is that regardless of how she got there she's there and it's up to her to maintain what her father passed down, and I feel like everything that was happened happening to her during her coronation was just loss after loss after loss after loss until finally she's just gonna. Of course, at the end, we're gonna we're gonna get that Targaryen rage, like Liza said. So, um, I thought that the coronation was beautiful in an extremely sad way, um, and I still don't like Aegon II. He can kick it. <laughs> That's just. My opinion, but it's okay though. It's okay though. But that's but that, that's why like this that that's why I show that this are so good because everyone's gonna have a different feeling and no one's wrong, right? Like obviously, yes. Like she didn't get fireworks and dragon fire and swords swinging around. You know, she lost her baby and got a crown, and she lost her father within the same forty-eight hours. She she's not feeling the ascension, like she's supposed to, and we as an audience are supposed to feel like she didn't deserve that. So Michelle is still right. Elizabeth is still right, you know?
3: Well, what I kind of appreciate is that the writers of this show are trying, I I feel like are trying to bridge the gap between the very contradictory season eight of game of thrones where daenerys had such a turn um really quickly because she had so much loss really fast and we're kind of seeing that happen with ranira she's having loss after loss after loss and then eventually she just turns around and bitch snaps and lets go um so i feel like that was kind of a callback to kind of bridge that gap for the original series and i appreciated that
1: I um, agree with Elizabeth. I really liked the coronation. It felt so much more down to earth than Aegon's did. Like it felt genuine and realistic and I got a huge callback to when Danny walks out of the fire and everyone like Jorah and her blood riders swear fealty to her. Um, When the Kingsguard, I do not remember if it's Eric with an E or Eric with an A, but he brings her the crown. And I got major like blood rider vibes from that kind of scenario. And you're right. Like Rhaenyra is the queen they chose, like the people in front of her chose her even if the realm did not they did and I still love the fact that Damon puts the crown on her head because like I was saying I don't think he's ever wanted the crown but I think it was so important for him to have the crown he put on Viserys' head a few episodes ago and putting it on Rhaenyra's head now so I thought that was fantastic and speaking of all the loss she endured we do have to talk about Aemon versus Lucerys so just get into it live your best life tell us how you feel
3: Alright, so, obviously, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers um, for the end of these, this episode. Um, I knew, like, I, we'll we get into it in the fire section, so I did know how Luke died. I was not ready for it. I was still shocked with how it happened, mainly because you're going through a lot of conflicting thoughts of, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't look like the dragons are, are listening to their riders, right? So we think that... Um, they can control them, obviously, they can't. And then fucking Vegar just comes out of nowhere. And so there's conflicting thoughts of, oh, wait, they can't control their dragons. Oh, no, Luke is completely ill-equipped against Vegar. And then you have Aemond, who actually looks like he's regretting what happened. And so there's just, just so many things happening right there. I
2: think it was a perfect example of fuck around and find out, because it was obviously a mistake. Amon didn't want to kill Luke. Um, but he he rode on Vegar, who is a battle dragon, uh, who is an older dragon and a bigger dragon, and uh, he made it so that Vegar thought it was a hunt. And then he wanted to stop Vegar from hunting, especially after Luke's dragon attacked uh, with fire. So what what else was Eamon expecting to happen?
4: Yeah, it's kinda like what what are you expecting? I was I was very disappointed in Uncle Amon, okay? You're nothing like Uncle Damon and we're disappointed in you. It, like what did you think was gonna happen? You are flying not just a creature and and this is you know this is again my high fantasy nerdy side coming out this is why i love so many different high fantasies because everybody respects dragons no matter what happens right everybody has a high affinity for dragons and what i enjoy and i'm what i'm very entertained with in game of thrones is how these dragons are attached to these people like the targaryens but they are not of these people right like they are not going to just listen to you and do what you say do at the end of the day they are hunters they are animals they are predators and if you put them in a form of or if you are engaging them in some form of an attack they are going to do that right and so you know people can probably go off you know on social media and in the comments about whose fault is it was it Amons for chasing uh luke or was it luke's dragon for breathing fire i'm like it's amen. All you had to do was just stay there. You already had his sworn, um, uh, uh, his uh, his promise to protect Aegon. You already had the like the betrothal. Now you're just mad because you ended up with a cool looking eye, like make it make sense so no I was I was very disappointed in his actions I was very very sad to see uh baby Luke go I was like no baby Luke no like, that needs to just be like <laughs> if you put it in the thumbnail lies, just be like no baby Luke <laughs> Like that's like that's all I'm saying the whole time um but yeah uh, it was it was uh, it was infuriating and granted yes there was a little bit of regret in him but everybody knows what he's gonna do to his mommy dearest uh so see what had happened was like there was this fight and I kind of didn't start it all right it wasn't me I'm flying a mountain dragon but I didn't do it so he kind of dead because he dragon. hit me <laughs>
3: <I'm> like, <laughs> well, I do want to shout out cinematography though because there are two shots of Vagar that were just like Oh, you're gorgeous! So the one when um, Luke lands, it storms in, and then Vagar is just kind of in the background with her giant ass like frog neck, and then when Luke is leaving, and Vagar just comes over, um, Ar- 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 Arax Arax oh. A- Arax, thank you. <laughs> uh, he, she just like flies over Arax, and like he's like the size of a wing. Like, not even. Like, oh, gosh. It was gorgeous.
1: Agreed, agreed. And I do agree with you guys. I Eamon was playing with fire, all puns intended. Elizabeth made a good point. Vegar has seen multiple battles. She knows what she's doing. And I think in Vegar's head, she used to be Visenya's dragon, okay? V- Visenya wasn't no punk. And so... I- I um, think was like, you ain't about to blow fire at me and get away with it. That is not how this is about to go down. Even if it was like, an accent or whatever basically like all in all i think Eamon was playing with fire and he did not it's not the first time a dragon hasn't listened to their rider and i think he didn't have in his arrogance he didn't have enough respect for the creature under him that can make up its own mind about stuff but um so we are gonna go ahead and jump into our fire section and debate if it's if this is a good stopping point for season one so let's go ahead and jump into that right now
3: All right, so my first question for both of you, Elizabeth and Liza, what did you think about how they ended season one? Meaning, like, is it a good stopping point to start season two with?
2: I think it's a perfect starting point because um, up until... It it ends with war and it will start with war. And up until that point, Rainier was actually considering backing down and considering some peace terms. Um because she was trying to protect the realm because she had uh, to respect Viserys' wishes. And it, as she said, I'm not here to be uh, a queen over the ashes, uh, just because I want to sit on the Iron Throne, which I, maybe I don't even want to do that, but Viserys said I'm, I'm his heir. Um, but after she loses her son, Uh, There is only one way forward and I loved so much that final scene that I took a screenshot and that final scene of her enraged and you can see the decision in her eyes. Uh, It's my desktop wallpaper right now.
1: I totally agree. I think it was a fantastic stopping point because the whole episode had so many Daenerys callbacks. And especially that moment at the very end, I agree with what Elizabeth was saying. Like, this is the moment that Rhaenyra decides. Like, before then, you know, she was trying to respect Viserys' wishes, but I think the weight of the prophecy combined with all of her recent losses and, like, the shedding of her son's blood, I think this is where she decides, like, this is her no-turning-back point. It was, you know, like... Vengeance against her brother to some degree for usurping her throne, but now it's blood for blood. I think that made everything much more real and it made it so that she had to commit. She had to make a decision. And I think that was her absolute deciding point. And I was here for it. I am Team Rhaenyra. get your vengeance, girl. Liza, how
4: dare you let me forget about Raideny's and Corliss? Okay, I got feelings. I love that couple. You talk about blood. you, ain't, Michelle, you ain't asked me a question, but I'm throwing this out there. That blood needed to come back. Do you understand? Like, she, they are, get your words out, Ayanna, get the words. They are OTP, like, the way she's just sitting there, right? And, of course, you know, he's get the sass, like, let me talk to my woman, let her know, like, I'm alive and all that. She's like, no. Shame on you. I was alone. I was scared. I got locked up in a room. I was built like some princess. I am not Cinderella, okay? I am not Fiona in Shrek 1, you know, beast-moding people. I'm I'm mad at you. Now, give me your face. Let me wipe this sweat off your face. <laughs> like, I love like them they, together. They are so perfect, and, 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 and it's so nice to see the the standard, right? And that beautiful, beautiful moment, and I hope that nobody else is talking about it so they can only hear it here at Decoding Dragons, but that beautiful moment when Corliss was, when he finally was on his feet again, because he's been gone for a couple of episodes, and when he was basically talking to Rainier, it was almost like, just for a split second, it was like your oldest family member checking on you like you're going to school. You saved up some money. You got a car. Like, what are you doing with your life? And she's just like, well, here's what's going on. Here's what happened. Like, it was a beautiful moment, like the family. And for just a split second, it didn't matter who her children were. It didn't matter who was sitting on the throne. It was just an opportunity for a family member to educate and really teach and guide you know, another, another set of family member. So Rainey's is like, she's my girl in another life. I was her like truly the, like the two of them are so beautiful together. And I'm so happy that we got that Valarian blood back, you know, looking like a solid team again. Cause I was like, don't, you know, yes, I'm going to say it. Don't kill the only brother we had for the whole thing. Like we need him back. Okay, please let's keep him.
3: Yeah. So to your point, I do appreciate that. Um, you can see the respect of the Valerian blood, right? Like, that's what they share. That's what the entire beginning of the season was about. And so you can see that that kind of respect. But I got two things. One, Rainies, my bitch, the entire episode, the shade on her face. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time when Damon was like, you know, we have Maileys on our side. or near- What?
4: You have what? She's like, uh, duh, 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 she's like, I ain't doing nothing without my husband. What did I tell mm-hmm. you? But keep my dragons, they match your mouth. Every
3: single scene she was in, at one point I was so tickled by her shade. I was just kicking my leg like a little kid. I was like, oh, I'm here for this. <laughs> I also
1: noticed that she didn't kneel at the coronation scene either. I don't know if anybody saw that, but Rainies is not the queen who knelt, you guys, okay? Also, I am... Um, I just, I just love their relationship so much, and I love they decided to take part in Rhaenyra's side for the sake of their grandchildren. I love to boil character motivations down to the one thing they're doing it for, and I think that Rhaenyss and Corlys were doing it for their grandchildren, and I love that so much. Like they are just, they are OTP. I am here for it.
3: Yeah, she didn't kneel, and then she didn't bow her head when she was first introduced when Damon was introducing her in the um, war room. Which, by the way, I just thought of something else: the war table. Yo! It was like my favorite thing of the episode with the glow-up with the war table. Oh, that was brilliant. It was so gorgeous. Um, The second thing I was going to mention earlier, Liza, you mentioned a lot of Daenerys callbacks. Which there were a ton, right? It was kind of emotional. Same words in the same castle of the I don't want to rule over ash and bone" stuff like that. Yeah. So beautiful. But there was also a really quick Jon Snow callback moment um, in the moment that Anna is talking about with Corliss and Rainies together when Corliss first wakes up. And Rainies is kind of explaining everything to Corliss, saying... Rhaenyra is actually keeping the realm together. She's calm, cool, and collected. And then it kind of transitions into the shot of Rhaenyra amongst the chaos and everything happening around her in the war room. Um, and it was the the music called back, and it was kind of a small callback to Jon Snow with how they did it. Um, that was a, a detailed shot that you would really have to pay attention for, uh, because if you think about it, Jon Snow technically is a descendant, so his. Um, Peace of mind, I guess, or his uh, mannerisms would be very similar to what we're watching. And I thought that was a really cool callback.
1: Nice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I also wanted to talk about the dragon that we got a chance to see Damon approach as well. So we get to see Damon approach Vermithor. So Vermithor is Jahari's Targaryen's dragon. We got to see Jahari's the very beginning of season one, House the Dragon. So there's been theories circulating on the internet that maybe Damon was going to claim Vermithor, but I don't think so. I think what's happening is he was going down there to see if Vermithor is still there. Because um, Vermithor has not had a rider since Jahari's passed, and he, as far as I know, he is the oldest living dragon and largest living dragon other than Vagar. So having him on Team Rhaenyra is game changing. So uh, we did see Damon go down there, and like Michelle, what was it that you said earlier off screen? You said um, Damon was wooing Vermithor with his song, I think.
3: Yeah, he was wooing him with
1: his high Valyrian song. Right, so I think that there was a chance that Vermithor might have known Damon when Damon was like an itty bitty baby. So um, because Damon is Viser... sorry, Jaehaerys is grandson so there's a chance the dragon might have like sniff sniff alright I know you <laughs> I won't eat you today but don't try me later right so I think he was <laughs> don't make me get the cannibal <laughs> <laughs> he's my friend I will call him so um speaking of Damon going down there and checking on Verma I think he was doing that in preparations for the dragon seeds portion of the show which brings me to a whole bunch of stuff like season 2 predictions that I really want to talk about in our dragon dreams so let's go ahead and jump into that right now all right so season two predictions obviously we're going to keep it vague because there's a lot of stuff they can do and decide on and change their mind on between now and when they film season two so one thing we do know for sure is that Jace is going to Winterfell and he's going to meet with Cregan Stark I think they pronounced it Cregan in the show So, um, choose your pronunciation however you will, but he is going to Winterfell to meet with Cregan Stark, and there's something super cool about that because they make their pact that he'll come help the Targaryen cause through something called the Pact of Ice and Fire, and if I'm recalling everything properly, it's basically Jace is agreeing that I think Jace's firstborn daughter will marry, um, Cregan's firstborn son, I believe. So while that does not necessarily happen in the Dance of the Dragons, we all know that Lyanna Stark marries Rhaegar Targaryen later on and thus sort of completes the Pact of Ice and Fire because a Stark... It kind of switches around, but a Stark daughter marries a Targaryen son. So that's just a super cool, like, super 200-year-later follow-through. So we will see uh, Jace going to Winterfell to meet with Cregan. And the dragon seeds are approaching. So Team Rhaenyra obviously knew that they had a bunch of dragons, but not a bunch of dragon riders. So they were trying to find people with enough Targaryen blood to claim and ride these dragons on their behalf. So, and one of the dragons that is claimed by a dragon seed is Vermithor, which I think is why he was like going down there to check and make sure that Vermithor was still there. So we will see the dragon seeds portion in season two, and we're hoping that we will see Darren Targaryen. So he's named Darren the Daring, and we have not seen him in season one, so this might come as a shock to some people, but Darren is Viserys and Alicent's youngest son. They didn't have time to have him in season one, but he is there, and I believe he's Staying down in Old Town. If I'm wrong, correct me in the comments. But there in the Daring rides a dragon named Tesserion. And um, he plays a huge part in the Greens' battle for rulership. So I'm really hoping we're going to see Darren in season two because he's a really important part of the story. And I don't see how they could feasibly leave him out. So as far as I know, we're going to see Winterfell. We're going to go back to House Stark. And I'm so excited. We're going to see the Dragon Seeds. And we're going to hopefully see Darren the Daring as far as I know. So what are you guys most excited to see um, in season two?
4: I want to see the Greens lose. I'm so sorry. That's the childish person in me coming out. (laughs) Um, In reality, I want to see the Greens lose. Uh, (laughs) No, but seriously, I want to see some loss on their end because, granted, I know now I sound like aiming an eye for an eye, but you owe us a son.
2: There will be some loss on their end. Um, That's all I needed.
4: Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm happy now. Season two, let's go all green.
2: <laughs> I'm looking forward to where Damon's character is going. In the sense that everyone loves Damon, uh, weirdly so, because he, uh, we know he made some uh, uh, particular choices, especially in the beginning, uh, killing his first wife, and so. And everyone likes to think that he's that kind of grumpy character who's soft only for Rhaenyra. Um, and I think we saw the first change of that in this uh, final episode when he uh, strangled her, grabbed her by the throat. And I think we will see more of that in the um, uh, in the second season. I also saw some uh, read some articles about the producer who actually wants to uh, go in this direction with his character um and i think it will be super funny to watch the reactions the reaction of all the people who like to ship Rem- rain and Demon.
1: you make a you make a really good point because everybody who's like Team Damon, he is a morally great character, and I do, I do, I am here for some morally great characters, right? But I think that people who are like, they're like Super Team Damon for the show, don't know what happens in Fire and Blood. And I think Rhaenyra knew about that side of him, but I don't think people are ready for what Damon is about to get up to, and it may probably change some opinions about this character. So he still gets, in my opinion, I'm not going to say what it is, I'm going to be super vague, but whenever we get close to the end of House of the Dragon, this story that they're telling, in my opinion, he gets one of the most epic moments in the entire thing, but he's not a good character, if that like is vague enough to not be spoilers. He's epic, but he's not a good character.
4: I don't want anybody's reputation on this panel to be jeopardized. We all understand that nobody is good. And that is what makes House of the Dragon so powerful is that you are rooting for honestly, you really are just rooting for everyone to sit at a table and have a conversation and get over it. That's what you ultimately are rooting for. But at the end of the day, we recognize our own mishaps, our own mistakes. We recognize where we would fall short. And We can pretend to be goody-goody two-shoes if we want to, but in reality, would you really make any of the different decisions, right? Like, that may not be a prompt to answer in the comments, but that may be something to ask yourself, like, while you're thinking about and when Damon's character changes, when all of these characters change or go through their moments, right? Are you – or, like – uh, one of my closest friends always talks about Optimus Prime about were we so different? Like before you go in there and start judging people, you recognize that they're bad, you recognize they make bad decisions, but what would you have done if all of the pressure of the entire realm was on your shoulders?
3: Well said, well said. Yeah, you guys bring up a good and I have my notes from the episode um, that i found it interesting that on the precipice of war kind of has Damon in a tizzy. And I think there were a couple of reasons why. Um, we haven't really seen him like that since he's been married to Rhaenyra. Um, but I think he's struggling with having a ruler that he respects, which means he also has to kind of listen to her. So not only is he married to her, he's used to um, his brother being king where he can just kind of run over whatever Viserys says. But now he wants to ensure that that he respects Rhaenyra but also asserts his power that he doesn't really have anymore and then the he's like pushing her to go to war and you can kind of see the internal struggle and conflict he's having with all of that right I think that he's on the road
1: down some bad decisions but I am very interested to like Elizabeth says to see what the internet is going to start thinking of Damon pretty soon that's a that's a good point for sure
2: I think the internet would be mad because uh Um, the way in which his character will evolve will ruin their head canon, will ruin their fantasies about uh, his character.
4: Good. Good. Let let the thirst trap end. See him for who he truly yes. is. Ha <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yes, I I totally agree. I think people get really thirsty over these characters, and they forget that they are flawed characters in a flawed universe, making flawed decisions, which is what makes the show something that we're all you know here watching because we get to choose who we want to side with. Because like I've said before, like there are no heroes in this show. They're just flawed people making flawed decisions, and you want you get to pick which flawed side you want to be on. So. Um, definitely let us know in the comments what you all are most excited to see in season two, because as you can see, we have a lot coming our way. And um, Ayanna, as always, thank you so much for returning to this episode. We are so, so happy to have you back. And Elizabeth, thank you for joining us for this one. Uh, fellow Fire and Blood readers might be really interested in your other book recommendations. Where can everyone find you if they want more of your fantastic content?
2: Thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Elizabeth
1: Yes, and she has such fantastic content, so definitely get on that and make sure that you follow ASAP so you do not miss out.
3: Uh, And I do want to be sure to shout out Ayana for covering for me last weekend. I was in no cell phone no wi-fi area uh, after getting married so i ought to thank you very much for filling in it was a really great weekend for me but everybody we will be back next season to recap all the latest episodes of house of the dragon and you might catch us on here at couch soup in the meantime with more song of ice and fire lore so make sure to keep an eye out hit the subscribe button and the bell so you get the notifications Uh, make sure you hit that like button it really helps us out let us know in the comments what else you would like couch soup to dive into And we will see you guys next time.
0: Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland.